Well, my name is Josiah, and I have a new life in Christ. I'm recovering from porn, alcohol, isolation, and anger. In fact, just this last night, I was short-tempered with my wife and talked to her in a very disrespectful and unloving way, and that's the conversation that John just let you in on a minute ago. Let me pray, and then we'll dive in. God in heaven, thank you so much for this time that I have to be before these incredible people, people that you've made, that you've created. And God, even in this moment, there's an inadequacy, there's a, an insecurity that you would even choose to use me to speak. And so my prayer has been all day that you would use me in spite of me for your glory, for my joy, and the world's good. I pray that you would do that in the life of my friends here tonight, in Christ's name, amen. Well, I thought I, thought I would open up with uh, just a story. It was the year 2000, also known as Y2K. And uh, yeah, some of you took you back a little, little far back there. But it was the year 2000, and I had just gotten uh, my very first job, and I was making uh, a measly 5.40 an hour, and I was sacking groceries. At that time, I was also uh, getting my driver's license for the very first time, and I was making hardly anything. And I thought to myself, man, I'm just going to have to get resourceful. And so I, I thought of this incredible plan, and that was to steal gas. Yeah, you heard it. I'm going to steal gas. And so I uh, somehow uh, caught myself into thinking and, and, and believing that this was a great idea. And so, uh, man, I had the approach. And so my approach was I was going to pull up to the uh, gas station. I was going to hang out on the outside of the pumps, on the fringes, right? And then there was the fake out. I, I was uh, going to uh, get my credit card, but instead of getting my credit card, I got my driver's license, and I swiped that just in case there were some cameras, right? They would think, well, at least he tried to pay, but it's actually my driver's license instead of credit. I know it's all kinds of jacked up. And then I had the escape. <laughs> got into my 1991 two-door Honda Accord with the white uh, uh, sunroof at that time, <laughs> and I peeled off down the road. And in that moment, I was filled with all kinds of, uh, I don't know, my, my senses were heightened, as you can probably imagine. Am I going to get caught? Am I going to get away with it this time? And now before you go, I can already feel it, right? I'm, I'm, now before you go judging me, right, and being hypocritical, don't act like you've never done something in your life that you wish you could take back and that you would regret. Because this is what I know in every single one of us. We've all been there in the heat of the moment. We've, we have made decisions based on our emotions and our circumstances rather than the truth. And the reason why I stole gas is because I made, a, I made that decision on my own. And I was living a life apart from Christ and apart from what I'm going to talk about tonight, community, God's people. And this is what I know about myself that left to myself, my heart is prone to wander to some really dark places. Left to yourself, my friends. Your heart is prone to wander to some very dark places of your life. And in my heart, I was hushing God and I was silencing what I knew was right. See, in Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there's a way that seems right to man, but that way ends in death. And in that moment, I was experiencing many deaths along the way. So I share that story with you tonight because I believe there's some blind spots in your life, just like there's blind spots in my life that I can't see and that you can't see. 
And tonight I wanna warn you because some of you come into this place and you're gonna walk out of here. My fear is that you're gonna go through the motions and somewhat connect with God and his people, but you're not really gonna go all in. You're just gonna kind of check the box potentially. And when you do that, you hush the voice of God and the voice of other trusted brothers and sisters in Christ that wanna speak into your life. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says your heart begins to grow hard. And look what it says in Hebrews 3.13. It says, but encourage one another daily. I always find that to be crazy. Like it doesn't say weekly. It doesn't say monthly. It says, encourage one another daily. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you know that sin deceives you into thinking that it's a good idea when it's really not? And so tonight we're talking about this core value that we embody here at Watermark, and that is community. It's in our middle name, Watermark Community Church. And it's this idea that people need people. And so this is actually my first spiritual truth. If you're taking notes, first spiritual truth of the night is people need people. You were created for community. This word community, when you see this word community, what does it mean? It really literally just means this. Simply put, community is living with God's people. It's what you do here on Monday nights, but hopefully not just on Monday nights. And we'll talk about that here some more. You see this rhythm in Genesis 1 where God is creating and he says it is, it is good and he creates and he says it's good. He creates and he says it's good and he does this six times. And then on the seventh day, he rests. And so you have this paradise, this place of perfection and God just finished creating everything. He created Adam and sin hadn't come into existence yet and he's ruling over everything that God created. But there's something you see in this text that God says isn't good. What is that? You see, it's just God and Adam and a bunch of animals, and it feels like it should just be this amazing connection with just God and Adam. But there's something you see. In Genesis 2.18, it says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for man, come on, come on, what does it say? To be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. It's, in other words, he's saying, hey, it's not good for you to be left to yourself in isolation. Being alone was the very first thing in all creation that God saw that was not good. And I find this to be fascinating because the world hadn't even fall. It wasn't even a fallen world yet. Sin hadn't, sin hadn't entered into the world. Sin hadn't fractured anything. There was no suffering. There was no death. There was no cancer. Yet, yet God said it's not good for man to be alone. God didn't make Adam to be alone and it wasn't God's intent for us to be alone. Humans are created to live in relationship with each other. That's why um, if, if someone's in prison, one of the worst punishments that they can receive is what? Solitary confinement. And listen, you might not be in a prison tonight. You're not, you're free. But, but you might be in a prison to loneliness. You might be in a prison to your own thoughts and feelings thinking that there's no one that you can share things with. And so there's this amazing truth for us to latch on to tonight. Even if it was just us and God in perfection, he would speak this over your life and my life, and he would say, that's not good. Do you believe that this evening? At the core of who you are, do you believe that? Because I hear people say this all the time to me. Josiah, like, I really don't need 
church. Like, I don't need people. Because church is just, it's God's people. That's the definition of church. It's not a building. It's not four walls. It's God's people. And I hear that all the time. And although it sounds good, it's like, hey, just me and Jesus and we're cool. It's just not what God designed for us. Why? Because God is calling you to be fully known by the other, other people around you, knowing how you're feeling, what you're facing, what's going on in your life. And we know this to be true. We make some pretty questionable de- decisions when we make those decisions in isolation, case in point, stealing gas. Like, that's just crazy. So God is saying tonight, it's not good for you to be alone in the crowd. And, and some of you tonight, you might think, oh, well, hey, Josiah, I belong. Because I got 100 likes on Instagram, or I got 30 retweets, or hey man, I, after work I go to the gym and I, I work out with a community called CrossFit, and then afterwards man, we head over to the bar and we get some drinks, and, but here's the deal, they don't know you. Your conversation doesn't go any further than, hey, they know you like the Cowboys and the Rangers, and they know what you bought on Amazon the night before, or what you think about The Bachelor. And, and listen, you know this to be true. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Psalm 92.13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Who's going to flourish? Those who are planted in God's house. Planted in the house of God, you flourish. Doing life together, getting connected, embracing these people that sometimes don't look like you, act like you, dress like you. But you know what? They have the commonality that they love Jesus and are pursuing what he says in this book. John 13, 34 says, love one another. You can't love people when you're in isolation. Second spiritual truth, if you're taking notes, do life with God's people. Do life with God's people. Second Corinthians 6, 14 says this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. In other words, don't yoke up. Don't connect on a deep level with people who don't share the same vision and values for your life. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? This word lawlessness just means to live in such a way as if God hasn't given us a law to live by. And listen, sweet friends, he hasn't given you a law to oppress you, but to protect you. And then it goes on and says, and what communion has light with darkness? It can't. Acts 2, 42 through 47, and they, who are they? These are the early Christians who showed up on the scene and acts, they, says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that's the word of God, and with fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were unified and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any had need. And look what it says in verse 46. So continuing daily, again, not weekly, not monthly, daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate food with gladness and simplicity of hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And look what, the, look what it says the Lord did. They added to the church daily those who were being saved. See, when we think about this idea of church, we just think of like Sunday morning, just this one-stop shop where I sing some songs, I listen to a message, and then I just leave, and, and I just kind of hang out on the fringes and anonymity. But we see here in Acts that the church was so much bigger than just a daily checklist item. That we're called to teach and remind one another what Christ has done through, for us and through 
the scriptures, fellowshipping with one another. This word fellowship in the Greek, it, it literally, uh, the Greek word is koinonia, and it, and it means intimacy, sharing uh, the most vulnerable areas of your life with others who are pursuing Christ. Nothing in your life is dark. It's all exposed. Why do I say that? Because, listen, listen, the power of sin is in secrecy. Like, like you got to hear that tonight at the core of who you are and who I am. The power of sin is in secrecy. This is why in James 5, 16, God says to confess your sins, your trespasses one to another, and then pray for one another so that you may be healed. See, the best version of you and I stands on the other side of community. In other words, this is what I mean. The most whole, the most healed version of you and me stands on the other side where we come into a place and we say, hey, nothing is hidden. Everything's, everything is exposed. You know one of the greatest gifts that you and I can receive? And I didn't learn this until after I committed my life to Christ. The greatest gifts that you and I can receive is a clean conscience. That when I lay my head down on the pillow, like I'm not worrying about whether I'm gonna get caught. I have a clean conscience. Before Christ, I never had a clean conscience. I was always waiting for the knock on the door. So many Christians, I believe, in this world, man, they're forgiven by God. First John 1, 9, when you confess your sin, you're, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But I believe there's so many people like myself was that's not healed. Why? Because healing comes when you confess that one to another. The Bible says you'll be healed. Prayer plus, or confession plus prayer equals healing. I wonder if that's you tonight. Have you prayed and asked God to forgive you? And he's forgiving you, but you're walking around wounded and not fully healed. The Bible says this only happens in the context of community where you begin to carry each other's burdens and you begin to pray for one another. And I know this sounds like a foreign concept. If you grew up in church, kind of like what I did before my parents divorced, I was going in sixth grade. It's like, what? Like you would walk into church and, and begin to share? Like your deepest, darkest areas of your life. That just sounds foreign. It did to me. And it just led me to a life of secrecy for years upon years upon years. Where I never found victory. Where I just put the Christian t-shirt on and someone would ask me how I'm doing. Oh man, I'm blessed and highly favored. Really? You said that for like the 50th time. It's like, what? And God says, you'll never experience true healing apart from confession. And some of you tonight, you're like, man, I'm not there opening up about that sin, much less praying for healing. But this is what I need you to find out tonight, that one of the safest places to confess what you and I do on a weekly basis, this place right here, Regen, this is one of the safest places that I know on the planet confess where you've been. And some of you, I know this to be true because this was what was true in my life. Some of you are like, man, I'm taking that to the grave, Josiah. No, sir. I'm not letting anybody know about that area. And, and I wonder tonight, do you want to get free? You've convinced yourself never to share that thing you did in high school, in college. And I just wonder tonight, do you want to get free? And others of you tonight are experiencing the consequences of isolating yourself and not confessing what's really going on in your life with the people around you. How do I know this? Because I was like, because you're like me, man. I was running back to my favorite drug every single day. The drug was called pornography. And it almost ruined my marriage before I even got married. 
And then I would run to the bottle for celebration. I ran to the bottle for consolation. Either way, I was running to the bottle. And I got into this hamster wheel of ridiculousness. Some of you are thinking to yourself, if I ever shared this with someone, what would they think of me? Would they kick me out? And I'm saying, no, sweet friend. If you bring it to the light, we have a promise that we can bank on that God would heal you. Would you take them up on it? This is why in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, I love what God tells the Apostle Paul. He says, my power is perfected in your weakness. And look at what Paul's response. Therefore, I'm going to boast about my weakness. What? Who says that? You're just going to boast about your weakness? Yeah. Why, Paul? Because when I'm weak, look what it says, he's strong. And that's when the power of Christ rests upon the believer. It's when you can get to a place like, I don't care what people think of me. I know where victory is found. Victory is found when we boast about our weakness. We can say, I need help. Because when I'm weak, he's strong. Spiritual truth number three, if you're taking notes, community is worth it. Community is worth it, not just because we see this rooted in God's word, but because I've truly experienced this in my life on my own, like continuing to this day, like I've experienced this personally. Jesus got a hold of me my junior year in college in the year of 2005. I was chasing everything underneath the sun. I was getting off the bus my junior year from playing a baseball game. And I kept asking myself the question, is that it? Because if these things aren't going to do it anymore, what's going to do it? And I started going right down the list with everything I've been filling my life with. I said, okay, porn, no. One relationship after another, no. The bottle, the party, lying, cheating, no. I said, well, what's it going to be? And in that moment, I finally, in, 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 in so many years of doing the same cycle, uh, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, the same cycle over and over and over, I finally saw my sin for what it was in light of a holy God. I know that sounds cliche in some way, but this is what I would do for so long. I would compare my life to everybody else, even people in the church. And when you compare your life to everybody else, you can always find someone worse than you, which gives you security in the fact that you're not that bad. And when you do that, my friends, you never see who Christ is. You never see how much you need him because you always think that you're a pretty good person. And it was in that moment that my life came to a screeching halt. And I realized for the first time, my eyes were open to the fact that Jesus got what I deserved. He got death on a cross, and I got what he deserved, life in heaven. Jesus looked down upon you and me 2019 years ago, and he came on a rescue mission. The savior of the universe lived the life that you could never live. He died the death that you and I could never die. And all of our sin, my sin, was poured out on him at the cross. And at the cross, he soaked up every last ounce of God's wrath, the wrath that should have been poured out on you and me. And not only that, three days later, history records and the Bible says that he defeated sin and death. That's my God. And because he defeated sin and death, the, the same promise is for you and me, that he can defeat the sin and death in your life. That the grave is not the end. That sin doesn't have to rule you. Although we fall and we stumble, like I just admitted to you a few minutes ago, I call my buddy John and say, John, how do I preach this message? How do I get up there in front of a thousand folks? And he said, just be real. Okay. 
Because when you're weak, he's strong. Amen? What I learned quickly is that Jesus never calls me from something without calling me to something. (laughs) And the first thing that he called me to was to change my playground and my playmates. And that year of 2005, I began to slowly but surely find some other brothers that wanted to roll up their sleeves and follow Jesus and not just talk about Jesus and not just have this intellectual assent about who this God was, but wanted to examine the scriptures. And some roommates, they became my roommates in college and they began to speak truth in my life when I was dating and going to the party and lying and cheating. They began to remind me of the truth that I needed in that moment. Because there's a way that seems right to Josiah, but that way ends in death. And how many times are our hearts prone to wander from the God that we once loved or professed? And it was in those moments that they reminded me of the truth. And I know everyone here for a fact, if you say you have a relationship with Jesus, then you're saying you want to grow. And if you're not saying you want to grow, then chances are you probably don't have a relationship with Jesus because, hey, that altar call that you responded to, that that time you raised your hand or walked the aisle at church camp, listen, it was never meant for you just to stay there and put the blanket around your head and just kind of wait for Jesus to come back. No, no, Jesus saved you in spite of you when you couldn't save yourself so that you would be attracted to a watching world so that others could see him through your life. As I close, I thought I would uh, bring some hydroponic weed. (laughs) This is regen, right? It's not weed, come on, (laughs) y'all can laugh. No, this uh, this is a plant. And remember in science class back in middle school, I think it was, or maybe it was grade school. Remember in science class, uh, you would get this, like the styrofoam cup and there would be soil in it and then you would plant the seed in it. And I remember the science teacher saying, hey, in order for this to grow, right, in order for this to grow, what's it going to need? It's going to need light, aka sun. It's going to need water and it's going to need soil. Like it will not grow apart from those three things. And... Uh, and I, and I got to thinking, and I said, I got to thinking, I was like, man, what if your prayer life was the light, right? That, that was the sun. What if your prayer life, you praying before God, was the light? What if, um, what if the word of God, the Bible, what if that was the sun, okay? And what if your community, the people around you, was your soil, You see, Jesus, he says, hey, I'm the light of the world. He also says, he also doesn't just say he's the light of the world. He says that he is the living water. But Jesus never says he's the soil. But what God does say in Genesis 2-7, he says, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. So here's what I'm saying. The soil could be a symbol or a picture for community people. And this is my point. You can have all the praying uh, that you want. You can, have, you can eat up this book. You can know this book from the inside out. But listen, if your soil is toxic, if the people in your life are to- toxic, or you just don't have people, you don't have brothers and sisters to run with, then you will never be the man or the woman that God has called you to be. I would go as far as to say, hey, you'll never break the cycle of sin in your life. 
you'll always run back to that thing. And you, very rarely will you see broken patterns of sin in your life. Why? Because Psalm 92, 13 says, planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. Sometimes I get asked, pornography, alcohol, athlete, materialism, anger, lying. How did you do it? I said, bro, I got in community. Like, like I got into community. I didn't just get with people that wanted to talk about Jesus or just wanted to go to church on Sunday and sing a few songs and listen to a message and then leave. Like I found some men that really wanted to get after it for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of them experiencing the abundant life that we read about in the scriptures. I got with some men that walked out Proverbs 27, 6, which says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. You know that faithful are the wounds of a friend. I got with some people that just didn't, t- just didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, but they told me what I needed to hear. And, and listen, I always wonder what my life would look like if I never changed my soil, my community, my friends. Listen, I don't know if I would have ever grown up. I might not be stealing gas, but I could be stealing from the IRS. I could be living with my parents still, playing video games and never growing up and talking about all the great things that I would have done and should have done. Been the all-star tailgater at the Cowboys game, talking about why I never made it, right? <laughs> like that, that could have been my life. Here's the deal. If you don't have community, then you know what you're saying to God? Shh. You're literally saying, God, I don't want to hear you. God, I'm I'm done trying to hear from you. You know what God does? He speaks through other faithful brothers and sisters. God speaks through the men and women who proclaim his name. God, Josiah, God never speaks to me. Yes, he does. He speaks through his word, and then he speaks through the people who call upon his name and who want to be about his business. You know what's so awesome about Regen is you can find your soil, you can find people, you can find prayer, and you can find the word of God right here. Like, you don't have to go to another place. You don't have to add something else to your agenda this week. So you're about to leave here and go into your small group. That's your soil, and I'm telling you, friends, it's worth it. Like, it's worth it. Go all in. Go all in. If you go all in, then I promise you, like your life, you're going to leave this place and your life will never be the same. And if it's not, come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to chop it up. Let me pray that you would. God in heaven, we need you. A message like this, there's always going to be people that uh, are skeptic are skeptical of what I'm saying, of what you're saying tonight. And I pray that your voice would be so much louder than my voice. Even when I was skeptical, God, I pray that you'd give them the measure of faith that you gave me to step out and to just put your word to the test. What do we have to lose? God, I pray that they would step out tonight and that they would go all in and the thing that they say they would never tell anyone about they would tell you. 
And not just you, God, they would tell the people around you. They would confess that before you and before their friends tonight. And God, you would do a healing work in all of our lives for your glory, our joy, and the world's good. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.